Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry present Journeys in Faith. Now, here's Andy Santis. Hi, welcome to Journeys in Faith here on Fiat Ministry Network. Thank you so much for joining us here. It's great to be here with you as I have an amazing guest with me this evening. I have Erin Cup. She is a, an author. Her book is called All Things New. And it's a wonderful book that I myself really like. I'm glad that I own the book. I have it right here. And so Erin, thank you so much for joining us here on Journeys in Faith. And thanks so much for having me on Journeys in Faith. It's always such a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much. And I like to read your bio, which I'm actually getting right from the back of your book. <laughs> and the book is from OSV, our Sunday visitor. Couldn't recommend it more. Erin McCall Cup is a wife, mother, and a lay Dominican who lives with her family and vertebrae somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. When Erin is not writing, cooking, or parenting, she can be found reading, dancing, English country, and dragging loved ones to visitor centers at tour spots around the country. Get to know Erin, her books, and her joy, sharing God's healing at erinmccollcup.com. I love that bio on the back of the book because it's a it just draws this picture of you that, you know, you're a whole person, right? You're, you're a wife, a mom, you're a busy person, but you take the time to do your ministry and to do writing. So uh, again, thank you so much. Let's start out with the book, All Things New. How did that book come about? Well, um, I'm going to have one of those very obnoxiously um, Catholic answers of it came about as the fruit of Eucharistic adoration, which I say with like a tinge of irony in my voice, but in all seriousness, it came about as the fruit of being in Eucharistic adoration. Um, I was, had decided to um, commit to a weekly holy hour at our, um, our parish is blessed to have a 24 hour adoration chapel. And um, I had been, you know, going to this my holy hour and bringing a prayer journal. And at one point um, I'd been struggling and struggling with my fiction writing for quite some time. And um, I just one day had this inspiration, like, okay, someday I'll write a book about the tools that I've learned to navigate parenting uh, in the present parenting, my own children, after having come out of an experience of not having been parented with much love, patience, kindness, or acceptance myself. Um, so I wrote, wrote down like this outline and I'm like, okay, well someday, like maybe, you know, 20 years from now, I'll be writing this book. And I, it was no more than two months later, a um, writing colleague of mine who was working at OSV sent me an email and said, hey, you know what, do you have any ideas for any books? I know you write fiction, but do you have any ideas for nonfiction books? <laughs> like, well, that's kind of weird because <laughs> I do. And here it is. And um, actually, I had two others that were sort of available as well. I'm like, okay, here are three. Which one do you like? And it was the, the one they liked was the one that I had written about in Eucharistic Adoration. And so that's where it came from. Um, now, for the, the path that came that I felt myself drawn through in writing the book, was I knew that as I wrote, I didn't already have all of the answers in my own, you know, parenting experience. I knew I was making mistakes, but in the process of researching um, how the Beatitudes create this, this framework, sort of like this um, from scratch cookbook for parenting, I discovered how many ways I was still acting out of my wounds and didn't even know it. 
So that's why I say in the book very clearly and try to say every time I talk about all things new is that make sure you are not listening to me, okay? If you're looking for a perfect parent whose footsteps you can follow, I'm not it, all right? <laughs> there are perfect parents there in heaven. That, that job's taken, it's theirs. So don't listen to me, listen to God. My only job here is to point people to listen to, to the voice of truth, um, which is obviously God, God's word. Uh, but specifically in this book, we focus on the greatest commandment, love God, love others, and then the Beatitudes as specifically individual steps, individual gifts to help us reach more freedom, more joy in our parenting and in our family lives, um, rather than harshness and self-criticism and other criticism too. Well said. And I love what you said about the perfection part of it, because I think there is a perfection in admitting that we're human. And and just the way that you you said that, and there's not a perfect parent, I don't think anywhere on the in the universe. Um, but uh, what you're doing is you're you're going to our the Catholic faith for the the knowledge and the wisdom that's offered through something like the Beatitudes, which we're all familiar with for the most part, right? And breaking those down into real life stories and real life practical ways that we can learn from the wisdom that you present to us on the beatitude. So I just want to thank you for doing that. Um, may I read too, I thought you had some wonderful, um, you know, endorsements that you had on the back of the book. I'll just name one of them, but I'll go through and, and tell everybody who, who those people are. Was Danielle Bean, the brand manager of Catholic Mom, Gary Zimak, the best-selling speaker and author and radio host, Lisa Hendy, the author of I'm a Saint in the Making, and Damon and Melanie Owens, the co-founder of Joyful Ever After Movement for Married Couples. And let me just read what Danielle Bean wrote, which I thought was great. She said, bold, compassionate, refreshing, and insightful. Erin McCall Cup grapples with stories from her painful past, looking at them now through the eyes of faith. And she walks us through the process of doing the same. What a gift to, uh, to imperfect families everywhere. Hey, that's a good way to say it, right? A gift to um, imperfect families everywhere. I feel like... Uh, I know it applies to me and my family. Yeah, same. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> yeah, good job. What was the process like of writing the book? Obviously, you said that you wrote it, you know, it, the inspiration came during Eucharistic adoration. Um, I'm sure that it was a spiritual process for you, wasn't it? Um, definitely. Uh, as you said, I'm a lay Dominican, so prayer is a big part of my life. Um, it had better be. And um, just that that process of in the, in the process of writing the book, I discovered how much of my prayer life was not as relational as God invites us to be with him. Um, as a lay Dominican, I have made promises to pray certain prayers certain times of the day. Um, we pray uh, morning prayer and uh, Vespers, evening prayer for Liturgy of the Hours. We pray at least one rosary a day, um, and we also do 15 minutes of Lectio Divina a day, in addition to attending daily Mass as um, circumstances permit. Um, so, you know, that kind of works out to at least an hour of prayer every day, and I was realizing as I was discovering all these ways that um, trauma, developmental trauma, had impacted me, that what I thought was prayer was actually just kind of disconnecting from reality and trying to race ahead and and fix things that weren't even in front of me right now. So it, as a process of, as the, and through the process of writing this book, the spirit, my spirituality 
grew. I mean, a lot of times I think in terms of how my parenting grew, but now that you're bringing this up, I'm realizing that my spirituality grew as well, like huge leaps and bounds because through the writing of this book, I discovered how deeply I have mistrusted God Hmm. through my whole, pretty much my whole life up until relatively recently. I mean, I've often said that I love God like it's my job because it's my job. (laughs) Um, But the, the loving God was one thing, but the trust piece was so deeply deficient in my life because I had such a deficient image of God in my mind by how God had been imaged by the adults in my life. And as a result of writing this book, I have come to a much deeper understanding of a much gentler, much more protective, much more um, invested and compassionate God than I had coming to this book. So that's, uh, I'd like to say that every time I get a writing project, there's some big juicy lesson in there for for me, at least one. And that is one of the lessons is just the ability to, you know, the, the compassion towards myself of why I had such trouble trusting God, but also the the tools that make trusting God an option, like really trusting God, like really just letting go and not, and using my prayer time as an actual conversation with someone who loves me more than anyone on earth ever, anyone on earth ever could, as opposed to what it was before was like, okay, I need my quiet time. Everybody leave me alone. And I'm using that time to basically talk to myself about all of my problems. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody else ever prays that way, but <laughs> yeah. if, if you do, it, it's a, it's kind of a human thing, but there's there, there's another way. And I'm so glad that God used this book but to draw me to that way. It sounds like you grew very much spiritually and as a person holistically in this process. So that's just a beautiful thing. For the people who are watching right now and thinking, hmm, I would like to get this book. Who would you say this book is for? I mean, obviously, it can be for people who have suffered some kind of trauma, Right. It can be for moms. I know you're, I believe you're a writer with Catholic mom as well. I am. Um, so is there anybody else that you want to make a shout out to? Um, would it would it be a book that you would say that would be mostly for females or can really, is it just for about anybody that would like to grow? I really do think it's for anybody. Um, I, I get my writing style is not, <laughs> my life's my life is not particularly girly. So if there are any gentlemen out there who are reading afraid that this is going to be some sort of women's piece. Yeah, it's totally not. I was always the, um, I'm dating myself here, but I, when I was um, hanging out, you know, younger before kids and so on, I was all, was always in the group of guys. I was like just one of the guys. So I, that's just, you know, <laughs> that approachable approachability level, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I would always say that I'm a If we were all eight years old right now, I'm the Princess Leia because it's all guys and me. So, (laughs) (laughs) so gentlemen, I hope that that, you know, encouraged you you to consider this as a possibility. But yeah, it's I wrote it very much from the standpoint of the parent who wants to do better than was done to us. Mm. And that goes across the board. Um, Yeah. And I also kind of believe um, this might be an unpopular opinion, but a lot of the people that I am encountered, and if you go on the Amazon reviews, you'll see people say, well, this isn't my story. I'm not traumatized. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of of the belief the, the longer I'm studying trauma and the long effects of trauma, the more I'm realizing God made us for paradise and we live here, not paradise. So in that sense, 
everybody on some level is traumatized. So in a way, this, this book is an opportunity for all of us to have compassion on ourselves for the ways we learned to act that aren't helpful, that aren't useful in our families and ways we can let go of those harmful approaches and adopt something new and to do all things new. All things new. That's right. Well said. So um, I'm glad that you told us more about the book because, you know, when you read the back of a book or when somebody recommends it, um, you can only know so much. But when you actually get to have an interview with the author and the author can explain like the science behind of it, behind it, I think that's good. So thank you. Thanks for sharing. Now we do have to take a short break here on Journeys in Faith. So we'll be back just in a few minutes. Join us again here with Aaron Cup. Welcome back to Journeys in Faith. Thanks so much for joining us here with myself and my guest here, Erin Cup. And on the first half of the show, we were talking about her book, All Things New, through OSV, our Sunday visitor. So I thought we could take the rest of the show, Erin, just to um, tell us your own story, your own faith story. Maybe we can just start out with your faith and what was your faith like in your early life? Sure. Um, I was raised Catholic. Um, you, you could call me a cradle Catholic. You could call me a revert. I guess it depends on your definition. Um, I was raised Catholic and did have spent a lot of time with my um, one with my one pair of grandparents who were very devout, and um, I, in my very early formative years. So I, I think that definitely like kind of laid some rails for God to be sending grace into my life later on. Um, that said, I did go to Catholic school for 13 years, one of them being kindergarten. I didn't repeat a grade. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, <laughs> you know, I, kindergarten through 12th grade was Catholic school. Um, and we did go to, you know, Sunday mass pretty much every Sunday. That said, the faith was seen as this annoyance, this burden, this difficulty. Um, that said, kind of everything in life was presented as a difficulty. So, um, you know, it was just the, the MO of the people I was um, being raised by. And um, so as I came to um, late middle school, really, um, in eighth grade, this is a little weird, but I uh, got assigned a, a term paper. Um, so again, like there's this pattern through my life of every time I get a writing project, I get some sort of lesson in it. And in that project, I um, was researching missing children and how children act 
who have been rescued from kidnapping and returned to their families. And I was reading these um, symptoms of post-traumatic stress in children. And I'm like, I'm 13 years old. I'm thinking, I act like this. That's weird. <laughs> I've never gone anywhere. <laughs> so um, I kind of was getting the sense that something's wrong and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. By the time I was in high school, I was an atheist. Um, I, because I figured if I am, I was intermittently suicidal. Um, I was depressed all the time. I had trouble making friends as you know, any survivor of childhood trauma is most likely to experience. Um, but then something kind of happened towards the, you know, through the high school experience. On the one hand, I, I sort of admitted there was a creator, most likely. So I was agnostic, but I was also involved in the occult. I was reading palms and tarot cards. Um, for small sums of money. <laughs> and um, also for my own self, it was this, like, it was almost an addiction to like, you know, I don't know what's going to, I, should I go to the cafeteria now or in an hour? Okay, let me deal out some cards. It was, you know, really, really disturbing. Um, now that I look back on it. Then um, I went to college. I was a theater major and I was cast in a play as a victim of child abuse. And the first night we blocked the scene. For those who don't know, blocking is when um, the, the actors are told where to stand and where to move um, when they're performing their lines. So that was the first time we physically you know, put movement into that scene. And I, I, something happened you know, in the blocking of that scene that I basically had a nervous breakdown in front of the cast of my peers. Good times. <laughs> Not really. And I just remember going back to my dorm that night just in total shock and dismay and saying I remember like looking alternately between the wall of my dorm room and this quilt that had been made by my grandmother that I had talked about earlier um, and just sort of being stunned and saying okay God or whatever you are I don't know what's going on but I want to know the truth whatever that is because I know what I have right now is just unstable and I know the truth will be stable so I want the truth and for those of you who don't know if you listen to many revert stories um, reversion or conversion stories everybody who says they want to know the truth the objective truth mm -hmm. they all end up catholic all of them I remember I, you said this before <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's across the board um I, I did not know that at the time but um I, I did since I was legitimately interested in finding the truth my approach at the time was well, the chances of me being born into the truth, born into the, the real faith, not likely. I'm going to look around. So I was, you know, looking at Buddhism and Wicca, especially. Um, I think I even dabbled in looking at Shinto very briefly, like for the space of, the space of an hour or something like that. I just wanted to be open-minded and find the truth. But um, as time went by, I just you know, saw Christianity. I'm like, no, I really can't deny this. Okay, I'm Christian God, fine, but whatever you do, don't make me Catholic, all right? Well, again, I was looking for the truth, and the more I studied, the more I had to admit that the whole, the Pope thing, it made sense, the Eucharist thing made sense, and eventually even the Mary thing made sense. Like, God God would not leave us without, if, the, if God loves us, God's not going to leave us without a mother. And so by that point, it was, I guess, my sophomore year of college. And I was just, I was all in. Wow, what a story. And now I've interviewed you before for another podcast. So some of this is all kind of coming back to me. But I just think it's amazing how there were those like points in your life where 
God was really speaking to you very, like almost very loudly. And the journey that you've been on, I mean, since that time with parenting, with writing this book, with getting closer to God, with your being that lay Dominican and the prayer that you're doing every day and committing yourself. So uh, I just think that it's a beautiful path that you're on. And, and just so I thank you for sharing your story. Now, you understand trauma because you've been through so much in the past. If there's somebody who's watching this show right now and thinking, you know what, her life is speaking to me. What do I do next? Like some people just don't know what to do when they feel so depressed, anxiety, uh, a PTSD, all of that. So would you have any words to say to people who are on that path? And how can maybe how can your book help them when they're on this like almost desperate path to find the truth, to, to be happy? Right. Um, the first phrase that comes to mind that has been very instrumental in my healing, in my development of God's mercy living in me, it's been two words, and it's of course. I know from my own experience that, you know, I would look at myself, how I'm behaving when I'm behaving from depression, when I'm behaving from um, irritability born of helplessness, and just I would get really down on myself. Why am I doing this? I know better. I know not to act the way that I was raised. Um, you know, what, what is wrong with me? What's been very transformative to me have been the words, of course. When I, you know, I wake up and I don't feel like getting out of bed because I'm just experiencing a lot of heartache, instead of berating myself, to just pause and say, of course I want to avoid. Uh, of, of course this hurts. Of course I'm sad because that's the wonderful thing about being human is that yes we are fallen creatures in a fallen world and we will make mistakes and we will do things wrong and because our quality as bearers of God's image was not obliterated by the fall we are still able to make space in ourselves for God's mercy to speak within us in our own thoughts. Um, most trauma survivors, especially complex trauma survivors, AKA didn't grow up in a kind and loving home. Um, we develop this mindset of, well, if I'm just harsh on myself, I will shape myself into somebody who can avoid being traumatized again. The, problem with that is it's it's like the the devil's the devil's half lie you know it almost sounds like it's going to work but it doesn't because all it does is create this environment of pain inside our own heads that causes us to want to lash out at that pain so our behavior gets even worse whereas god built us to experience his mercy in our minds to create our minds to be places where we can hear him say, I see why you did that. And it's, I see your pain. And all you have to do is turn to me and I will make this right. You, and all you have to do is turn. And just those words, of course, have given me that space to, of course I made that mistake. I'm it able helps to get not up again. to be so hard on ourselves. So yeah. I thank you for sharing that because use the word mercy. And I think it's really, that's the core of all of it, isn't it? I mean, the core of all of this is that God's mercy is so much bigger than that trauma. 
And it's not a magic wand. I mean, I don't think that healing is a magic wand and you know that too. So I just want to thank you for sharing your story. Now, um, we're almost toward the end of the show, but I wondered if you could tell us what's going on for you in the coming months or even in 2022. Is there something new that you want to share with us? Yeah, I'm really excited actually about right now. The project that I'm working on is I'm creating a course um, that is called All Things New. Or I'm sorry, no, that's my book. <laughs> See, of course I made a mistake. I'm creating a course called Filled with Good, Theology of the Body for Food Addicts. Um, in my book that came out 2021, All Things New, I talk about how I had medicated my trauma with food and had gained 100 pounds. So I was 100 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those of you who can see the video right now, I am no longer 100 pounds overweight because as a result of writing this book, I found the tools I needed to let go of the compulsive overeating behaviors and to get to a, a healthier weight. And I'm really, really excited to share those tools with others. So if you are interested in um, in t- perhaps taking a course filled with good theology of the body for food addicts, please go to my website, erinmccullcup.com and click on courses. I'm expecting that we're in beta testing right now. I'm expecting the full version to be available for release on the solemnity of Our Lady, um, Mother of God. So that would be January 1st, just in time for your New Year's resolution, but also just in time for you to put your New Year's resolution into the loving arms of Our Mother Mary to, you know, help you gain freedom. Mm, That's beautiful. I'm so glad you told us about it. I remember you did kind of allude to it on our last podcast. So I'm glad that you reminded me again, and this is just great news. Here we are, end of October. It's going to be January before we know it. And I think it could be a perfect gift too, right? I mean, someone can buy for someone else. Uh, Yeah. Signing up, signing up for it at erinmccolecup.com. So please do check it out. Up and buy the book. I love my book. Here it is. And it's going to look backwards here, but it's all things new. So thank you again, Aaron, for being a guest here on Journeys in Faith on Fiat Ministry Network. Thank you, Anne. God bless everyone. We'll see you next week. Journeys of Faith is a production of Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about Journeys of Faith, email info at fiatministrynetwork.tv and be sure to friend, follow, and like us on social media. Just search Journeys in Faith with Anne DeSantis.